Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Welcome back to the Laser Therapy Institute podcast. My name is Jason Roundtree. I'm a chiropractor and a certified medical laser safety officer. And I'm also the founder of LTI. LTI provides education and resources for healthcare practitioners who want to provide laser therapy to their patients, effective laser therapy. We have custom settings. We have certification courses for you and your techs. We can help with equipment selection. We can help with making sure your clinic is set up to be profitable and productive with laser therapy. Today's podcast episode is a mega episode or a super episode all about arthritis where we've combined some of the best parts of four of our previous episodes to talk all about knee arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory mechanisms around arthritic changes, laser dosing and laser therapy parameters, and even laser for small joint arthritis like in the hands. I think you'll really enjoy what we have in content for you today. Thanks very much for joining us. Here we go. So how does rheumatoid arthritis happen? Most patients want to know, you know, what's going on here? Why did this happen to me? Why did this get started? The truth is we're not sure. We don't really have a very good clear cut um, reason for why this happens to some patients and and not to others. We do know there are some genetic links. Um, However, that's not the only factor. It does appear to be an overreaction of the immune system, as all autoimmune disorders are. And one term that I really like when we start talking about rheumatoid arthritis is persistent cellular activation. Because once you've got the antibody response has been triggered, and that can be triggered by trauma, can be triggered by infection, uh, a whole host of, of causes, we think. Once that antibody response has been triggered, you get a, uh, an activation of B lymphocytes and macrophages that really promote inflammation in and around the joint. And that further allows for T cell entry into the joint. And that really is what starts that inflammatory cascade that goes on to involve uh, tumor necrosis factor alpha, interleukin-17, and a whole host of other inflammatory markers that really uh, seem to contribute to promote that damage to the articular cartilage. Uh, bony surface, you get uh, a whole lot of soft tissue uh, damage that goes on as well. So it's that, that cellular cascade, though, that really creates all this trauma. The earlier you can catch that and effectively reduce it, the less symptoms the patient's going to have. Now, given that, let's jump into this study. Okay, so again, this is a study from 1989 low-power laser therapy in rheumatoid arthritis. What they did is they took 35 rheumatoid arthritis patients and they split them into a laser and a placebo group and they were working on the fingers, all right? So this is finger-specific for this particular study. This is a double-blinded study and the average age for the participants was about 60 years old and on average it had a diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis for about 14 years. So this is not new. This is not an acute onset thing. This is generally, for most of the uh, the study participants, pretty chronic. They were treated three times a week for four weeks, and the researchers used an 820 nanometer continuous wave diode laser at 15 milliwatts, and they did about 60 seconds per joint. 
for a total dose of 3.58 joules per centimeter squared, which does fit into some of the um, Walt guidelines for laser dosage. Walt guidelines generally will talk about um, 3 to 10 joules per centimeter squared uh, for a lot of these disorders. They treated these folks three times a week, four weeks. Prior to beginning treatment, they went ahead and performed measurements for grip strength, swelling, uh, range of motion for finger flexion, so closing the hand. They measured morning stiffness, uh, self-reported pain. They also went ahead, and I think this is pretty exciting, they went ahead and did chemistry markers as well. So they took blood samples before and after uh, the study was actually done, the treatments were actually done, to measure ESR, fibrinogen, leukocytes, lymphocytes, and hemoglobin. Took those before, took all that after. Let me just go ahead and jump you straight to the conclusions. The results of this were during the trial, and again, this is laser, three times a week, four weeks. So during the trial, the grip strength improved in the laser group, whereas the placebo group really didn't see much of a change at all, a statistically insignificant decrease. The swelling decreased for those who got laser and was unchanged for the placebo group. The ability to close the hand, so the distance from the fingers to the palm, this is exciting, actually had a great improvement. Prior to treatment, patients were not able to close the hand. They had a 6.5 millimeter average distance from the fingertips to the palm. After treatment, for those who got laser, that went to 0.0 millimeters. That means they went from not being able to close the hand to being able to close the hand completely. In the folks who did not get laser, that got the placebo, no change. Also, we noted a significant decreasing trend of the duration of morning stiffness from an average of about one and a quarter hours to a half an hour for those who got laser, whereas the trend in the placebo group was not statistically significant. Now, on self-reported pain, both groups did experience a statistically significant declining pain level. However, a much more significant difference was noted in those who got laser as opposed to those who got the placebo treatment. Let's go ahead and jump to the biochemistry here. And what they measured with ESR, fibrinogen, leukocytes, lymphocytes, and hemoglobin, they noted a significant trend, a decrease in the sed rate and leukocyte count. Sed rate went from an average of about 28.0 in, e, in the laser group down to about 19. And the placebo group didn't change. For leukocytes, went from 8.8 .8 down to 7.7 .7 for laser group. Whereas in the uh, placebo group, it really didn't change hardly at all. This is kind of a big deal because not only are we noting very, very objective measurements of things like swelling and range of motion, but also even in self-reported pain and stiffness, that improved, but the chemistry of the body actually made a significant swing towards being less inflamed. So what are your takeaways? Number one, laser improves not only your, the, the patient's symptoms, but also the cellular environment and the joint biochemistry. You can't fake that. You can't imagine that your ESR is better. That's hard numbers. So not only are we talking about their symptomatic results, but even the biochemistry improved. Number two takeaway here is the current treatment side effects are clearly significant if you're doing what's typically recommended. 
However, with laser, there are basically none. This particular study didn't note any side effects. And the worst we ever see for side effects with laser is going to be some of that temporary fatigue, temporary soreness that can be really pretty minimal. And that even is not typical. Number three, if you're a provider and you want to treat somebody with rheumatoid arthritis, you need laser. That's just flat out. I mean, this study was 30 years ago. We need to have laser involved in the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis. Maybe you can't keep everybody off of the medications. However, if you can improve their quality of life, improve their symptoms with something as low impact as laser, you should be doing it. You need the right laser, you need good treatment plans, we can help you with that, give us a shout, we'll, we'll get you all set up. But if you're going to be treating folks with rheumatoid arthritis, you definitely need laser. We have tried to handle it as simply as possible. Mm -hmm. So they say the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis in children and adults first benefits from methotrexate. Methotrexate is a chemotherapy drug. Essentially, it shuts down the attack, the, the strength of the attack of the immune system because it prevents um, uh, cells from multiplying and dividing and therefore it reduces the amount of inflammatory action that these cells can take. They say that's gold standard therapy, and then if patients do not respond or experience complications or adverse reaction, then they try TNF inhibitors. Um, so they're trying to really shut down all these interactions um, and inhibit the autoimmune T-cell activation. Uh, so they're trying to kind of address the mechanisms, not necessarily the cause, but at least the mechanisms of what's going on here, and it right. does seem to work pretty well. But they say, although there are more and more biological agents with different mechanisms of action for the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis in children and adults, the results are not as we expect. Because there are partial responses or non-responsive patients to these compounds, there's high therapeutic costs, there's side effects, and so on. Therefore, we must turn our attention to other therapeutic modalities to induce disease remission. Mm -hmm. What do you think that sounds like? Light therapy. There you go. Yep. <laughs> you probably guess from the title and from uh, what we normally talk about here. So they say in recent years, photomyomodulation or laser therapy mm -hmm. has become an increasingly mainstream modality, especially in the areas of physical medicine and rehabilitation. Today, photobiomodulation is widely used worldwide in a variety of pathologies in adult and pediatric medicine. It is a natural treatment that provides the living cells with an energy source in the form of of photons. Being non-invasive and painless with very few side effects, depending on the patient's health status, and with no known risks associated, photobiomodulation heightens the energy, triggering self-organizing phenomena and tissue repair, bringing relief of physical pain or symptoms, and governing the interplay of the oxidative stress by playing multiple roles. It can induce cell proliferation and enhance stem cell differentiation assisting rejuvenation and normalizing cellular functions. When correctly applied, we'll come back to that one in a minute yeah. too, but when yeah. correctly applied, photobiomodulation has the following main clinical effects. Improvement of blood circulation and activation of microcirculation, enhancement of collagen synthesis, promotion of tissue regeneration, influence on skin receptors with the increase of pain threshold, improvement of nerve conductivity, acupuncture point stimulation, anti-inflammatory, anti-allergic, antiseptic effect, uh, effects, and so on. I just remembered one of the phrases we would use 
with patients just to really drill down into a very simplistic form is light therapy helps the body repair itself. Yep. And that seems with what you just read is basically what's happening. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And after all that we talked about with all these interleukins and mechanisms of arthritis, that might seem like a very simplistic approach. Oh, we're just going to help the body repair itself. And that's why it's very simplistic phrasing, however. Mm -hmm. But it is the best way a lot of times to communicate it Mm -hmm. uh, because it's, it's technically accurate. They say that photobiomodulation can very gently modulate the balance between the uh, TREG and TH17 cells, so between that physiological regulation and stimulation of the inflammatory process. And that is starting to get more towards the mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Because like we said earlier, we've got this kind of biphasic effect of interleukin-1 and balancing the effects there is really what we need because mm-hmm. in, in inflammatory arthritis you have this really imba- huge imbalance of the pro-inflammatory cytokines and the anti-inflammatory cytokines are way down here. We need to bring balance back. Right. Um, they, they say in the inflammatory phase of rheumatoid arthritis, photobiomodulation improves the macrophages and lymphocyte activity and also decreases the level of immune complexes and regulates the level of immunoglobins sorry, immunoglobulins A, or IgA, IgM, IgG, and the balance between the pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory cytokines, like we just said. Mm -hmm. So that is an important way to say that, yes, we can talk about it kind of simplistically and say, well, light therapies help the body repair, or they help, you know, stimulate the the body's mechanisms Mm -hmm. uh, that that are naturally there to help with you know, repair, regeneration, and so forth. But here, specifically, we're talking about improving the right kind of cellular activity and balancing out these pro- and anti-inflammatory cytokines, which mm-hmm. that's what gets to the root of what's going on in inflammatory arthritis. Right. They say that an established philosophy in the management of a patient with rheumatoid arthritis is to begin with the safest and simplest therapy judged to be effective. Photobiomodulation applied in different stages of rheumatoid arthritis is safe, effective, and free of side effects. Photobiomodulation exerts a positive influence on the synovial membrane and the immune system. Again, when correctly applied. And that's key. Yeah. You can't just, I mean, it's not just any light. It's not, I mean, and it has to be done correctly, proper techniques. Yes. That sort of thing. Yep. Yep. To, to just throw some red light at somebody or blue light at, at, you know mm-hmm. you've got to have the right color of light you got to have the right wavelength you got to have the right dosing right. you've got to have the right pulse rate or frequency at which the light is flashed you got to have the right treatment schedule mm-hmm. you know and time and power and i mean there's all so that. many factors mm-hmm. that, and that's one of the problems uh, with people taking up photobiomodulation we know from the research that it's got a lot of promise mm-hmm. But if you don't know what you're doing when you pick up that laser, then your chances of success are actually pretty low. Right. So you need to know what you're doing. Now, you can do the research or you can let us do it for you. We've already done all this. We've already got uh, treatments that have been used tens of thousands of times on thousands and thousands of patients. Mm-hmm. So you can use our settings that are used nationwide in multiple different clinics you can use our protocols and and you can have a lot of confidence from the get-go knowing that what you're going to be doing will have good effects mm-hmm. you know um this these are complex diseases 
and being a good clinician is a huge first step. If you mm -hmm. need to um, have some assistance with knowing how to use laser as a good clinician, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, right. uh, you, there, when you pick up a new modality, a new treatment, a new medication that you're prescribing, a new surgery procedure you're doing, the education on that is how you will get the footing to then be successful with it. Right. So use our use our knowledge, use our resources to help get you there faster. Your patients will appreciate it. You will find it a lot easier. It's a lot less stressful. Again, you can find out more at our website, info. Uh, or, excuse me, that's our email. That's you can email. find out more at our website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. And so let me give you the reference for this study right up front. This is called A Systematic Review of Low-Level Laser Therapy with Location-Specific Doses for Pain from Chronic Joint Disorders. And this was published in the Australian Journal of Physiotherapy back in 2003, so almost 20 years ago. And this was looking at research from 1987 right up through 2001. They selected 14 trials with 695 patients total that met the inclusion criteria. That's quite a bit of data when we're talking about 2003. Since 2003, FDA clearance has been achieved for laser therapy here in the US and thousands more studies have been published. So a lot more development has been done, but even going back to these older studies still has relevance for some of the challenges we face today. So they start off by saying that chronic joint disorders represent some of the most prevalent pain conditions treated in primary care. Osteoarthritis is probably the most common entity and that prevalence of osteoarthritis is rising parallel to the increasing age of the population. We know the population of the most developed countries in the world is increasing. They also say that temporomandibular joint disorders, patellofemoral pain syndrome, and mechanical spine disorders are other examples of chronic joint disorders, but they can be associated with impaired muscular stabilization, reduced range of motion, and inflammation of the joint capsule itself. So what they did is they, they got these studies together, um, which of course there was a limited amount back in 2003. There was, there was quite a few, um, but much less than we have access to now. And they wanted to examine the hypothesis that laser uh, on the joint capsule can reduce pain and chronic joint disorders if the dose is adjusted correctly. Healthcare providers are still trying to make sure that they get dosing correct or they don't know enough about dosing to know if it's correct. And to these researchers, getting the dose right was an absolutely critical piece to making sure that we had pain relief for chronic joint pain. So like I said earlier, 14 studies, 695 patients over a period of about uh, 15 years. Uh, these studies that they uh, allowed into the review looked at pain in the thumb, the knee, the lumbar spine, the TMJ, the cervical spine. And what they saw was that the results of the review were surprisingly unequivocal in favor of active laser therapy when dosage was titrated above the suggested lower dose limit for reduction of inflammation. They say that laser dosage is a complex topic and that the literature on laser therapy is full of conflicting reports. They say, we believe much of this is caused by the lack of dosage consensus. Now, again, this is back in 2003. At this point, now here in 2021, we do have some dosage consensus, but it's still pretty broad. The World Association of Photobiomodulation Therapy says that we should be between 4 and 10 joules per centimeter squared for most conditions, but that is still a very, very broad range when we're talking about 
different conditions, different locations, chronic versus acute. I mean, there's there's a lot of factors that go into accurate laser dosing. So this is still a struggle now, even almost 20 years later after this paper was written. So what they found in this study uh, in this review of all these studies is that as long as you're titrating that dose up and you have enough strength uh, of light applied for long enough so your total dose ends up being in that proper range then you can get excellent pain relief for as long as four to six months even post treatment and that in many cases you can look at improved health status as well improved quality of life and further there were no side effects or adverse reactions for the participants in this study. So again, months of pain relief, improvements in quality of life, and no real risks here. This should be a slam dunk. This looks like a slam dunk back in 2003. Yet we still see a hesitancy to adopt laser therapy and a lot of skepticism in a lot of circles as far as the efficacy. I think people just don't want to believe that it can be as simple as putting light on the skin and seeing improvements to conditions that are really tough to treat, like chronic joint pain. But if you do laser therapy and you are decent at dosing or you have some understanding of making sure that you're using correct dose, then this is what you see every day. You're seeing people get better and get great pain relief from light therapy for things that are tough, like chronic joint pain and osteoarthritic joint pain. If we know traditional physical therapy can work pretty darn good for knee arthritis, well, let's compare that to how laser therapy can do. So uh, I'm going to quote you what the article says, what the study actually says about laser. It says, high-intensity laser therapy that involves higher-intensity laser radiation is a new, painless, and powerful modality that showed significant results in pain reduction. HILT, with its own photochemical, photothermal, and photomechanical actions, has many therapeutic benefits, including antalgic, anti-edema, and biostimulating effects. Another advantage of HILT is its greater power and depth of penetration in deep tissues. So we're not talking about very, very low power laser devices. We're talking in this particular case about getting deep into the joint with a high intensity laser, pushing a lot larger dose than an LED unit or uh, some of the low level lasers can push. That's what this study is, is all about. So the study population, the folks that, that uh, fell into the accepted categories here for the study is important for us to pay attention to because it will tell you in your practice who you're more likely to be successful with. So this study population uh, was split between males and females, aged between 50 and 75, a BMI of less than 30. So they do fall, some of them fell into the overweight category, but nobody was in that obese category. And then a pain scale uh, of, of greater than 2 out of 10. So if they were a 3 out of 10 or more, then they could be included in the study. But you had to have pain and fit into those other categories. Now the researchers tested uh, not only the VAS, the pain scale, but also the active range of motion with flexion, the up and go test, and the six minute walk test to try and check uh, function as well as pain symptoms. They performed 12 sessions of laser therapy or physical therapy over four weeks. So three times a week for four weeks. They did scores at the four week mark as well as the 12 week mark. So we got an immediate uh, measurement after the treatments 
were concluded as well as that little bit longer term follow-up. For equipment that used a high power 1064 nanometer laser with a dosage of 60 joules per square centimeter. Now if you know anything about laser therapy, 60 joules per square centimeter is very high power. That is a very high dose. Uh, that's, you're not going to be able to get that kind of dose with a low level device. You're going to need to be looking at the high intensity, the class 4 units. Um, that, that's quite a bit of dosage, but again, they were able to, to deliver that in just 8 minutes worth of treatment time. They did pulse the settings as well. So these particular treatments were done uh, with a 30 hertz setting and a total of 2400 joules in one session. Now, if you're a laser nerd like me, that all makes a lot of sense. If you're not, that's okay. You don't have to be. What I'm going to tell you is that if you are going to replicate these types of results, you need to have a laser therapy device that can also be uh, in that class 4 range to produce this level of power. Okay, so given that, let's talk about what they did for physical therapy. For physical therapy, they did a home exercise program that's been shown to work quite well with knee pain. And they also did ultrasound, therapeutic ultrasound, which hasn't been proven to be all that great. And they also did TENS. And that has been proven to be okay. So they, they used some pretty, pretty well-proven techniques to go ahead and compare to laser. Now what they saw is that all the patients actually did get better. But I'll, I'll read you some quotes from the study. What they went on to say is that the highest improvements and pain scale and, and so forth, everything they measured were definitely in the high intensity laser therapy group. And then they go on to further say, our findings indicated the superiority of high intensity laser therapy on reducing pain, increasing range of motion, improving function, and improving outcome scores as compared to the conventional treatment. Furthermore, we observed significant differences between groups after the 12 week follow-up follow-up, that 12-week follow-up, which all proved the effectiveness of high-intensity laser therapy. Further, the outstanding finding in this study, again, I'm still quoting from the study here, outstanding finding was the immediate and long-lasting effect of high-intensity laser therapy on decreasing knee pain that demonstrated the supremacy of high-intensity laser therapy over the other interventions. Moreover, no adverse effect was reported by the patients during or after laser therapy was done. So what's our takeaways? What's our kind of key points here? Well, number one, exercise in PT can be very good in mild to moderate knee arthritis, but laser is better, especially if you can do laser and then get the patient doing the exercising at home. Again, another takeaway is gonna be your patient population. Do your patients fit? into that likely to succeed category. Because if they do, you can tell them confidently, laser therapy is going to make them better. Next takeaway for you is that high doses are important and not just any laser unit will do. You, if you're gonna replicate results like what this study found, you have to be using a class four device. Your next takeaway is that you know, ongoing treatment's not always required. These folks had about four weeks of laser and three months later they were still, or excuse me, two months later, they were still quite a bit better just from that four weeks worth of care. So you need proper equipment, you need good techniques, you need the correct protocols, the correct treatment plans, 
But if you're on board with especially techniques like we use here at Laser Therapy Institute, you'll be able to tell your patients confidently, laser will help you, it will help you prevent surgery, it will help you with your day-to-day -day function and you will be feeling better. Okay, thanks very much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed what we presented here on arthritis and photobiomodulation. If you want to know more, you can go to these individual episodes. If you want to hear more about knee arthritis or, or the juvenile inflammatory arthritis side, there's links in the show notes to those full episodes. You can also go to our website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can find tons of free resources for laser therapy healthcare providers and practitioners. There's also ways to get in touch with us and find out what we can do for you for setting you up for success. Thanks very much. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.